Welcome to Talk of the Towns on Community Radio, WERU. My name is Matt Murphy, filling in for Ron Beard this month as host of the program. Our topic to this morning is how to have a dialogue on controversial and polarizing issues, particularly with those who disagree with us, even strongly disagree with us. Thanks very much for tuning in and hopefully calling in in just a few minutes from now to help out as we try to explore the ups and downs of discussion and debate between people with opposing viewpoints. My studio guest this morning is Sonia Terensky, producer of the WERU feature Powerful Peace. That's uh, You can hear Monday mornings in between alternative radio and on the wing. Uh, Sonia is a trained mediator as well. Welcome, Sonia. Please share a little bit about your uh, background and uh, interest in this morning's topic of discussion. Uh, you, you heard about the program from uh, Joel when you were in doing some uh, programming work for the station, and then I talked to you and said, hey, would you like to be part of this? So could you talk a little bit about your background and how uh, that fits in, your interests fit into this program? Thanks, Matt. Um, my interest in uh, conflict resolution goes uh, pretty far back, back as far as the, um, well, always I've been interested in uh, community actions in terms of war and peace. But in the late 80s, I was very involved um, in activities around uh, the wars in Nicaragua and El Salvador and trying to find ways to have um, peaceful solutions down there. And one of the things that was very disappointing to me was to find out that in some of those communities that the people who were... um, who had been oppressed, that when they came into a, into power, they started oppressing the people that had oppressed them back. And it was this cycle of violence. And it was a very uh, disappointing and upsetting revelation to me that, that that was the nature of conflict in our world. So I looked around and found that in my community there was a community conflict resolution Uh, grassroots organization for volunteers. And so I did training and ended up uh, being involved in doing conflict resolution in the community as a way to learn about new ways to work with disagreements and conflicts so that we could break out of that cycle of violence and oppression. Um, After that, I moved to Seattle. And in Seattle, I did uh, mediation in courtrooms and that was a very interesting experience. So my interest in in uh, finding alternate ways of dealing with conflict has a uh, long history. Great. And could you let us know a little bit about um, Powerful Peace and how you came to do uh, this this short uh, feature that's fairly new here on WERU Monday mornings uh, at uh, just after Alternative Radio, just before On the Wing at a, around 11 o'clock. Well, the real inspiration for doing Powerful Peace was an experience that I had with my son last summer where um, he's 12 years old, and he uh, he came to realize some of the trials and tribulations that were in the world that seemed to be overwhelming, and he lost faith in his future. He saw, you know, the war in Iraq, and he saw the environment, and he saw you know, some of the ways that people dealt with each other, and he really lost faith that he had any hope for a positive future. And so I felt compelled to start sharing, instead of complaining about what was wrong, trying to find ways to share ways that we could work on making new methods to move forward to create a world of hope and a a world of peace. 
Okay. Well, thanks very much for uh, introducing yourself to uh, to our listeners in a way that they don't get when they uh, when they hear um, powerful piece because there's it's a short feature and there isn't time for you to each show give your background. So uh, thanks for sharing that, Sonia. Our toll-free on-air call-in number is 1-866-625-9378. That's 1-866-625-9378. Audience participation is a big key to this program, so please call in and share your experiences and ideas. I can make a pretty good educated guess that most people out there have uh, some experience with uh, being on uh, opposing sides of an important civic, uh, political, national, global, uh, some sort of really hot-button issue that uh, either neighbors or relatives or just people they encounter, th- people they encounter through work or perhaps at a uh, public demonstration where there are demonstrators on uh, opposing sides of an issue. Uh, and we're looking for folks who've had those experiences and either had successful times with those experiences and some unsuccessful times, or, and we care to share those, to call in. And we're trying to have a conversation just on the, the, the notion of um, having discussion with the quote-unquote opposite side or other side in an in a important uh, polarized issue. All viewpoints are welcome on this uh, program and in this discussion, so please, once again, give us a call at one 866 625 9378. So, Sonia, some of the ways where, I, as I was thinking about this, this, uh, doing this program, um, a bunch of kind of questions popped into my, my head. And the idea of doing this program when I, um, uh, agreed to, to fill in on the show for, uh, uh, Ron Beard, our regular host for Talk of the Towns, um, were some discussions, uh, folks have had lately about how WERU, um, uh, helps community dialogue, how it might help better and more effectively. Uh, also, uh, in my own personal life of having uh, uh, an aunt who uh, sends a lot of emails to, uh, to a lot of people and that it get forwarded to her, and a lot, some of the things I strongly disagree with, some of the things I agree with and, and um, feel sometimes compelled to engage in dialogue about that, e- even if it's just through email, and uh, how to go about doing that, or going to... Uh, I went to a recent meeting of the uh, um, the uh, Brooksville Cracker Barrel, a new uh, thing that's happening at Bucks Harbor Markets Friday evenings at 6, where uh, an issue is discussed through storytelling. And so thinking about how we communicate on these things and then having the frustrations, same frustrations that most people have if they have strong feelings about an issue when they uh, encounter those with the opposite viewpoint. So things that uh, come to mind, uh, questions that came to mind were how can people with very different views on critical issues um, talk with each other respectfully and productively? Um, How do you talk about these kind of controversial and polarized issues with friends, relatives, neighbors, coworkers, or total strangers? So that's the the general frame of the program. And we have our first caller here on Talk of the Towns. If you could give us your first name and where you're calling from and then your uh, comment or question for the discussion. Uh, my name is Steve. I'm calling from Penobscot. Thanks for calling, Steve. Um, am I allowed to talk about national issues or is this supposed to be local? I kind of missed, I was trying to dial, I missed the phone. Um, call, yeah. either, either or both. Um, at, uh, well, I had one really good conflict resolution story to tell, and this is the eve of a large protest. I thought I'd tell this um, what happened back at the inauguration. Um, and I think it applies rather well. It's kind of how you can use humor to um, knock people off balance a little bit and resolve a conflict. Uh, when I was down there, I was on uh, Pennsylvania Avenue, and I had this theory that 
if I wore a cape um, and kind of looked kind of silly, I might be able to resolve conflict that way. So I kept, just for a few protests, I kept my cape in my bag, <laughs> and um, nothing happened or I didn't find the right opportunity. But during the inauguration, I go in and I notice a hot spot, kids dressed in black, putting on their hoods and looking really scary, and then there's the police with all the shields and so forth, looking really scary, and they were closing in on each other, ready to start, like, bashing heads. And I said, this looks like a job for a super chicken. And I went down and put my cape on, put my Al Sharpton running suit on, and stood in between there. And neither side knew what to do. Both sides started looking at their feet, started shuffling around. They didn't know how to deal with that. And the conflict resolved itself, and there was no clash in that particular instance. So I just want to encourage people to think about using humor whenever possible. Well, Steve, th- thanks very much for that story. Um, Hopefully I was able to say that well enough. Kind of. Well, we, we're, we're both smiling in here, uh, visualizing <laughs> the situation. So I think six foot six chicken. Uh, you're six foot six. All right, so a six foot six chicken jumping in the in the in in into the middle of of uh, two opposing sides, getting ready yeah. to mix it up. Because a lot of it was about masks. When you look at the the anarchists, they wear the masks, they cover their face. And you look at the the riot gear; it's all they cover their face. So I thought a mask was a good way to do that. Anyways, I'll let other people comment and. Well, Steve, I think Sonia might have a question for you. I just wanted to know if you still had that suit, Steve. I'd like to see you. Yes, I since I've made a shield, too. More Captain America. But I lost my cape. I have to get a new one. All right. Anyways, um, but I'm not going down. My wife and my son are going to go down. They probably won't dress as super chicken. So not everybody has to do that. But just uh, keep that in mind. But I think you do make a good point, and that is that uh, humor uh, does definitely have a role in helping to um, reduce tension and and, uh, sort of break the cycle of frustration. So it does have a place in negotiation. Yeah, and and on the other side of it in the negotiation, I realize that there's a danger of humor in that you end up having this gallows humor that can happen when you're in like I was a teacher as well, and when you're in that situation, sometimes that is not as productive as um, humor. So and it's humor also, is a fine line. <laughs> yes, and it's also not productive if it makes people feel that they're being made fun of or that you're not taking their point of view seriously. So it, it, it's a tool, and yep. it, you know, uh, but I appreciated your story. <laughs> anyway, thanks for letting me on the air. All right, Steve, thanks very much for that call. The number is 1-866-625-9378. That's 1-866-625-9378. We are talking about how people with different views on uh, critical issues can talk with each other respectfully and productively and just had one uh, a story and a vote for the use of, of, uh, of humor. Um, if you have an experience... Uh, like that or different than that that you'd like to share? If, is there a particular issue um, that is, uh, you find to be extremely polarizing and some of your experiences around that? Or if you'd like to just put out a uh, question to other callers uh, and Sonia as well as to um, ways that might be productive to deal with that situation. Um, you know, an example is we just had the State of the Union address uh, earlier this week, and to some folks, uh, uh, it, President Bush uh, may have sounded disingenuous, empty, or even delusional. Um, to other folks, he may have sounded sincere, substantial, and insightful. Um, how do you talk to someone who is 
is on the other uh, other side of that dichotomy or somewhere along the range in there um, that you may know and you have uh, profoundly different views of what the president had to say um, and the plans uh, involved in what he had to say. We've got another caller, so let's go right to them. Welcome to Talk of the Towns. Hi, you guys. Uh, this is Alan calling from Charleston, although I'm not in Charleston. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting subject, and I, I, I guess my reaction sort of is, is that, for me, I have to... I try to understand that in this country we're, we're, we seem to be particularly ideological-driven or I, driven by ideologies, and I think that's true on the left and the right and everywhere in between. And so for me, I, I really just try to remember that we're sort of all the same. And, you know, as much as I, you know, like to uh, advocate for a clean environment and clean air, for example, you know, we all breathe the same air, and we all have the same basic human needs. So in, in, in many ways, we're, or most ways, I would say, we're just not that different. And if we let ourselves sort of be beholden to ideologies, and, and I think they're perpetuated in, in most of our media and, and even culturally, then I, I think that we make our own task a lot more difficult. I would agree with you entirely. I think one of the main things to to pay attention to there is that when you're based, when you're uh, driven by your ideology, then you have um, a moral code that says this is right and this is wrong. And when you start from that place, uh, either people agree with your beliefs of what are right or wrong or they don't. And right. you're in a competition of getting them to uh, come to your side. And if right. they're not coming to your side, they become the enemy. It's, and it's a competition of ideology. Exactly, exactly. Issues. Exactly. And yeah. so in order to have any kind of negotiation, you have to find what you have in common um, as a place of starting, as a place of collaborating for a joint solution rather than a domination of one belief over another. Great, great. Great. Well, thank you very much for, for your show. Enjoy it. Thanks, Alan, for the... Bye-bye. Excuse me. Thanks, Alan, for the call. We've got uh, a few people lined up, so let's uh, let's get right to them. Go ahead. You are next on Talk of the Towns. Hi. This is Susan. I was thinking about um, this in light of some of the um, stuff that came up on Living Queer Here yesterday, actually, and thinking about... Um, in any kind of a conflict situation where you've got these dueling um, ways of looking at the world, it seems like the more insecure you are um, in your life as a whole, the more narrowly you need to define yourself to feel safe. Um, and if we could work on being less insecure and more, um, more feeling more safe being able to uh, look at someone else's point of view and see where maybe some of that was actually present in ourselves, um, that that might defuse the conflict because it seems like the more, um, the more frightened any of us get, I see it in myself, the more we want to box ourselves down and see less and less in common um, and define ourselves more and more narrowly and um, sort of in an ideological manner. Um, so that was one thought I had. The other thought I had was that um, I saw Wavy Gravy speak a number of years ago, just going back to the super chicken. He, um, he showed up at protests occasionally in a bunny suit, and he said, the police really don't want to bust a bunny. So just one more thought on that uh, 
the costumed um, humor in, injection. So thanks for the show. Well, thank you for the call, Susan. Let's let's go right to our next caller right away. Go ahead. You're on Talk of the Towns. Hello, Matt. Yes, you're on this, the air. This is Peggy from Lincolnville. Hi, Peggy. And I'm calling to talk about uh, Marshall Rosenberg's nonviolent communication. Yes, and I should say, I, uh, Peggy is a, an instructor. Peggy Smith is an instructor in nonviolent communication, and I contacted her and asked her if she was able to call in on the program. So thanks very much for doing that, Peggy. Well, uh, life has worked out uh, for me to do it today. Um, and I did hear the introduction, and I thought it might be useful to uh, share Marshall's work a little bit with the community. Uh, Marshall grew up uh, in Detroit and experienced the race riots in Detroit and learned at an early age that people could be violent and life could be scary. And he, it really sent him on a lifetime quest to understand what is it within the human uh, being that uh, allows us to be violent towards others and also what within the human being allows some people who have been the object of torture and and suppression to be compassionate. And nonviolent communication is the fruit of his looking into that very deep question. And the premise is that what has become habitual to us to be judgmental, to judge things as good and bad and right and wrong, is not what's really natural. What's really natural in the human being is to be compassionate and loving and, and open-hearted and we can, through this process, learn how to reconnect to that natural part of human nature. And to me, in my own personal work, it's, it's practice. And one of the things that I do every year for Martin Luther King's birthday is to watch the movie Gandhi so that I can really remember that nonviolence isn't necessarily easy. It's not what necessarily comes first to my mind because I've been educated to judge things to be things that I like or don't like, I agree or I don't agree. But what I want to always do is go back to what I want to be the focus of my life, which is compassion and understanding. And nonviolent communication is a process that helps us do that. Well, thank you, Peggy, for that uh, little summary. It'll probably make you happy to know that as you were talking, uh, Sonia here in the studio held up a copy of Nonviolent Communication uh, um, by uh, Marshall Rosenberg as oh, well. So. Well, if people would like to know more about nonviolent communication that's happening in the state, there's a website that they can now go to. Is it all right if I share that on the air? Absolutely. It's www.mainnvcnetwork.org. And on that, there's uh, information about the history of nonviolent communication and also how people can learn more about it right here in the state of Maine. And trainings uh, do take place. Uh, we, we announce them on WERU, so I'm aware of them in, 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 the, in our listening area on a relatively regular basis. Yes, we have one this weekend in Bangor. Uh, there's one in February in Augusta, and there will be one in March in Camden. And we also actually have some international trainers who will be coming to the state in May. In May. So it's a really wonderful opportunity for everyone. And I guess I just also want to add, if I can have one more minute... Um, to say that the way we do it is by understanding that no matter what someone does or says, they're trying to get needs met, internal needs. And the premise is that all human beings have the same needs. 
So when I can stop listening to whether I think the person is right or wrong, and I can start listening to what needs of mine are being touched by what this person is doing or saying, and what needs are they trying to touch by what they're doing or saying, then I can communicate from my needs to their needs instead of my judgments to their judgments. And that's the bridge by which we can create that kind of connection. Uh, thank you, Peggy. I am a big fan of uh, Marshall Rosenberg's work, and wh while you were talking, it reminded me that our culture, not just in the United States, but in the world, we have for millennium practiced uh, war tactics, yeah. and we don't have the skills of um, peace tactics. These are new skills to us, and we need to practice them. And so we're not going to be good at them right away. And we have to uh, reach out and, and learn, uh, look for opportunities to practice them and, and give each other a lot of support and a lot of leeway and, um, and allow ourselves to to practice these new techniques that are coming to the forefront that do have a lot of hope and um, are a gift to our future. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the program isn't long enough for me to uh, tell stories about all the ways that I am not successful <laughs> in my daily life in integrating these. But as you said, by developing community with people who can compassionately support me and that other times I can compassionately support them, we learn how to strengthen those uh, skills so they become our habits instead of our new practices. And that's one of uh, my hopes for the state of Maine, and that's why I'm trying to bring more of this work to the state. Thank you. So thank you for what you're doing, and uh, I look forward to maybe working with you someday. I'd like that. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Well, Peggy, thanks very much for calling in. Have a great day. You too. Uh, Peggy Smith from Lincolnville, one of the... Uh, uh, an educator in nonviolent communication in this area. We've got another caller, so let's get right to them now. You are next on Talk of the Towns. Thanks for waiting. Hi, it's Gray from Hancock. Hi, Gray. Um, calling up with a little bit of the. Uh, I'm going to add a, uh, a little bit to the conversation. I've heard a lot about people about nonviolence and um, conflict resolution and stuff, but nobody's really come down and and actually defined or, or qualitatively described uh, communication yet. and uh, You want to take a stab at it? Well, I just would like to throw some ideas out there. First of all, sure. um, conflict is a form of communication, and uh, people, unlike, uh, I have to just disagree a small amount with the pr previous caller, I don't think that you can say that, that the predominantly natural nature of human beings is to be kind and loving and communica communicative. I, 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 don't, I don't think that's biologically or historically true, actually. And um, I think conflict has been used by, by people to, to um, develop themselves. People isolate themselves into groups naturally to forward their own plans, develop their own civilization, and indeed Isolation has been one of the greatest spurs to cultural development uh, all over the world. Uh, isolated societies develop their own ways of, of going and, and don't get dragged along with some 
larger society and 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 that promotes diversity and we we at least I hear a lot of talk from uh, the listeners of ERU about how great diversity is. Well, you can't have diversity without some kind of isolation and non-communication with people who who you perceive as different. Um, so there's a lot of issues here um, about communication that uh, that are are not black and white, and and there's good and aspect bad aspects. To it all, and while um, while peace and and uh, getting along together all of the time is is a laudable goal, uh, it's not the only way to go. And sometimes communication is done by managing conflict rather than ending it. And and I by conflict I don't necessarily mean just violence, but uh, I mean opposition sort of and. I'd just like to hear your uh, any call, other callers or, or, or the person who's with you. I forget her name, so I'm sorry. Um, Sonia. Talk, Sonia, talk, talk about, about this aspect, that it's, you know, that um, it's a very complex issue, and, and, and there's a lot of ways to look at it, and, and I just thought I'd put that out there as, a, as, a, as an advocate for, for a broader uh, discussion. All right, great. Well, thanks very much, and you... Uh, a little bit of the the you know um, devil's advocate, if you will. Uh, some questions that I had thought up as well, thinking about this program are are, are humans competitive, so that polarization is inevitable. Is it is is there some usefulness to it? Um, which is more important, uh, comp- competition or cooperation? Uh, is persuasion more important than understanding, or are they in balance? Sonia. Well, I think you bring up some really great points, and I'm glad that you brought them up. And uh, those are issues that I think about all the time Um, in terms of just the the idea of conflict. I do not believe that uh, conflict is by nature bad. Um, There are many examples of, uh, you know, if we had no conflict at all, if we had no differences of no oppositions, you know, that would rule out yin-yang, that would rule out night and day, that would rule out blue and red, you know, we would just have the whole homogenized life of gray, you know, and so, um, you know, diversity is good, and diversity is something that I advocate for, and I agree with you that there is a, a, a very profound need to... Um, well, you were ter- talking in terms of the isolation of societies, but you know there is a philosophical understanding of that. That in order to protect your individuality, um, you know, you don't want to just give up all individuality to have a homogenized gray life. Um, having said that, if the understanding is how to find um, joint uh, goals, like how to live in peace with each other, um, because I don't think that you need to have war. I don't think that war... uh, I don't know that war is is always natural. This is something I I have to think about in myself all the time. I mean, I, I, I look at viruses, and they do grow to eat each other up. There is war in in nature. So I, I wonder about that in humanity. But um, it is my hope that we will, through the, 
the growth of our civilization develop better ways to accommodate each other and accommodate the diversities rather than needing to obliterate the things that are other. Um, so I'm mumbling now, but these are very important issues that you bring up, and I'm glad you brought them up. Well, and we do have uh, two more callers, so let's, uh, let's get to them and see, see what they'd like to add to the conversation. You're next on Talk of the Towns. Great. Uh, this is Fred in St. George. Thanks for calling, Fred. Uh, there was a wonderful uh, presentation last night in uh, uh, Tennis Harbor, the, uh, the town hall at Tennis Harbor. Uh, sad to say, I don't have the name of it right in front of me. Uh, it is going around the state. Uh, I believe it's University of Maine, and, and I don't know who else. If some caller uh, might call in if they know the name of the uh, organization that presented last night. And it was five case studies of uh, consensus uh, uh, consensus method of decision-making uh, for um, community development and community uh, planning uh, uh, primary, well, one of the primary things to uh, uh, stop sprawling and and then make good use of the land, and uh, it was a, there are more present uh, two more presentations in this series coming up, and uh, it was wonderful. And I'm I'm sorry I didn't write down the name of the organization that uh, that is sponsoring it. It's uh, a main wide main organization, uh, and uh, so I recommend it very highly. So the the uh, and the issue of consensus, uh, particularly, yes, yeah, absolutely, very very structured, uh, formalized, um, uh, which and uh, very effective. Great. Well, th- thanks very much, Fred, for adding that adding that in. There's also there's another group doing a, that uh, does a lot of work with consensus. That's um, uh, resources organized for social change, and they've got their uh, the 12th annual Changing Maine gathering uh, uh, taking place uh, tomorrow in uh, Augusta at the Pine uh, Pine Tree State um, Arboretum. And the, the title this year is The Great Transformation for Maine, Hope and Action in Hard Times. And um, uh, Resource Organized for Social Change does a lot of work around um, around uh, consensus building as well. And that's, that's uh, taking, I don't know if uh, consensus is not necessarily the, the main focus of the meeting tomorrow, but... Um, that's uh, tomorrow, 8.30 to 4 at uh, Pine, Pine Tree State Arboretum in Augusta. And so if anybody uh, um, online uh, can go online and find out about these uh, programs that, uh, that uh, maybe the university is, uh, is, uh, is doing out in the community about uh, consensus building, certainly uh, check it out and give us a call. Hey, thank you very Thanks much. Thanks very much. Okay. One thing that, that is, uh, I'm being reminded of in these conversations that's really vital is that in terms of conflict resolution or consensus or even or negotiating, all of these words take for granted that you're trying to work it out with the other side, that there's a relationship there that you're trying to protect. And that's a very important um, aspect of this because, uh, for instance, in war, uh, one of the things that it traditionally happens in war is that we dehumanize the other the opponents, and that makes it easier to kill them off because we don't want to have a relationship with them. We don't even want to see them as human. Um, so when we're met with people who have very, very differing opinions than we do, um, you know, I know some people who say, gee, I just, you know, I can't 
understand them at all. They're so completely different from me. I think we should just, you know, push a button and eradicate them from the world. We should line them up and shoot them. Now, you know, how can you negotiate with a person like that? Because they don't see a relationship. Um, when you're faced with that, with uh, a frustrating situation, it's important to, to look to the people and, and see them as other humans and see that you have some reason to want to try to work it out and base your uh, efforts on trying to work it out. If you're just tuning in, this is Talk of the Towns on Community Radio WERU. My name is Matt Murphy, guest host this month on the program, filling in for Ron Beard. Uh, Sonia Terensky is my guest in the studio. She is a producer here at WERU of a short feature called Powerful Peace um, and uh, a trained mediator and uh, a student of nonviolent communication and uh, other ways of uh, understanding communication. And we're talking about how do you talk to how do you dialogue with folks on the other side of hot-button and polarizing political issues? We've had a bunch of calls, and we do have uh, several more people waiting to get on the air, so we'll get right to them after I give the number. It's 1-866-625-9378. That's 1-866-625-9378. And let's go to our next caller. You're on the air. Hi, this is Laurel down in Richmond, and I just want to say that uh, tolerance is the key. I'm, I'm absolutely sure uh, we have to accept each other's differences in lots and lots of things every day of our lives. And I just wanted to add that word, so tolerance it is. All right. And, well, and thanks very much. It's a wonderful show. Well, thank yes. you for being part of the show, Great Laurel. Job. Bye-bye, Matt. And uh, let's go to our next caller. You're on the air. <clears throat> Hi, Matt, at that great electric Cracker Barrel. <laughs> This is Judith in Brooksville. One of the Cracker Barrel people from Brooksville. One of the Cracker Barrels. Uh, it, it sounds like everybody's got a piece of this, and they're all authentic pieces of it. Um, the piece that I would add right now, because I'm going to be talking about this, I'm, I'm on, on deck as the Cracker Barrel person on the spot tonight, is uh, what we always did on long outward bound courses where we had a chance to really get to know each other and strip away the armor was if <clears throat> somebody was uh, had an issue, <clears throat> we'd let them sit on the catbird seat, which is not the hot seat, it's the catbird seat, and tell us about it. Give us their whole point of view and really listen to them. And then... <clears throat> Uh, we would talk about it amongst ourselves. This is this is all about consensus building, and you have to do this on an outward bound course because there's nowhere else to go. <laughs> You're out there, uh, and the the result of that was always uh, a settling of the ruffled feathers, kind of like watching mallard ducks when they have a little territorial spat. They'll quack and you know raise their wings at each other and, and um, go on and on and until they. Uh, smooth their feathers and settle it and cruise away from each other. So <clears throat> that, that is another part of it. It also made me think of the great law of the Haudenosaunee, which is what the Iroquois called themselves, and <clears throat> how our, our constitution and our form of government is supposed to be based, we know it is based, on the uh, uh, principles of, of that kind of democracy. And how when things got so out of hand that the opposition just didn't want to uh, compromise or talk it out or listen, then there was an ultimate council before which they went, and that was a council of grandmothers. 
And a couple of years ago, in both Phoenicia, New York, and then Santa Fe, there was a council of 13 grandmothers that came together from all over the world and <clears throat> spoke to an audience of a couple of thousand people in Santa Fe and at one of the pueblos nearby. And <clears throat> that was really the point that was being made. But when grandmothers make a point, they don't stand up on a soapbox and talk about it a lot. They just make the point. And <clears throat> um, I'm carrying that with me. I was there for that, and I was there for a subsequent council of grandfathers. And the message is essentially it's time now to come together around one council fire and one path, that we all have many, many different perspectives, and they're all genuine, they're all valid, but we have a knothole to pull each other through, and that may be the metaphor for global warming, climate change, and these times, these very stormy and difficult times. So is it okay if I put in a plug for the Cracker Barrel tonight, Matt? By all means, and, and go right ahead, Judith. And then when we, we have uh, three people waiting, so we'll, when you do that, after you do that, we'll, we'll, we'll move on to them, if, you, if that's all right. I'll be quick. Great, thanks. <clears throat> okay, so uh, uh, I was handed an anchor, a literal anchor, a big, rusty old anchor by Walter Cronkite uh, some years ago, and we laughed about it. It had to do with a sailing regatta and how I finished last. That's why I got the anchor. And I I have finally understood what Uncle Walter was giving me. And I'm going to talk about that tonight at the Cracker Barrel. I'm leading a discussion. I'm not going to yammer on at length. That we as citizens have a tremendous responsibility now to become citizen journalists and to help our media understand that their real function as the fourth estate is a public service. They're public servants. They're not, you know, <laughs> they're, not, they're not meant to make a whole lot of money and, and, and do the things that corporations do. At the heart of what is going on in our culture right now is the, uh, uh, how the corporation has gone way too far in the original role that it was given. So I'm going to talk about that from my experience and my knowledge, and I expect to be on my knees several times because... Uh, to be a member of the media nowadays is to be a person not held in high regard. And that is not what was intended. So that's what's happening tonight at the Cracker Barrel in Brooksville, uh, starting at 6. All right. and you can and, find and, the details. And where does that take place? It takes place at the Bucks Harbor Community Market, <clears throat> which is right there in the heart of Brooksville. It's very easy to find. And if it's really cold, come indoors because it'll be hot. And there will be jalapeno pizzas. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks very much, Judith. Thanks, Matt. Bye. All right. And let's, uh, let's, we've got callers lined up, so let's get right to them. You are on Talk of the Towns. You're on the air. Yes, I'm Peter Tabor in Searsport, Maine. Um, thanks I, for I, calling, Peter. Thank you. Um, I, I think the general thrust of this broad radio conversation is commendable, but I, I, except for one caller earlier on, I... I I, I, there seems to be a sweetness and light about it that ignores uh, certain realities about life, um, and, and, and that is that sometimes conflict, and perhaps even violent conflict, is necessary and may even be a moral obligation and a virtue, and to retreat into trying to understand how your opponent feels is, is cowardice and dereliction of moral duty. And um, I, I'll throw out the perhaps the most obvious uh, one that I, everyone, at least on the surface, 
in in a civilized society agrees Adolf Hitler and the whole Nazi uh, adventure to take over the world was morally abhorrent and and hideous. Um, uh, how does one try to understand, um, or why does one even want to understand, under the circumstances, where uh, those who supported uh, Hitler's programs of genocide um, are coming from? Um, uh, and, and perhaps uh, let's go, let's go on a more individual level. How do you do deal with um, someone who is monstering somebody else? Um, say a, a pederast or 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 someone who is beating their their spouse. Uh, uh, and and finally, I'd, I'd like to say a little something about this whole issue of consensus. Consensus can be a very good thing, but it can also be used in a very manipulative way to essentially. Uh, uh, the people operating a process of consensus can have their own agenda, and they can use it in a very morally manipulative way to get something selfish and dishonest uh, uh, across. And I want to give a very specific example. Uh, the issue of Sears Island. I don't know if many people, how, how much people know about Sears Island, but very, very briefly in a nutshell, it's something of a, of a treasure. It's a 941-acre island in my hometown of Searsport. It's totally wild and undeveloped. And the state has for many years been trying to put a, what I would argue, and many people would argue, a totally needless cargo port on the island. Uh, environmental groups uh, represented by the Sierra Club and a couple of the land trusts have been saying, uh, been saying oh, you know, nothing can be developed out there. So these groups entered into a process sponsored by the state um, and ultimately by the DOT to, to, um, to talk about their mutual differences. And when the whole process of consensus was, was done, um, it turns out that the environmentalists, uh, so-called, had signed on to something where they would agree to split up the island, allow the state to, to destroy essentially end up destroying the whole island, but effectively, um, but in any case, uh, for the record, destroy only 300 or out of 941 acres, as long as the environmentalists had the opportunity to build um, in educational centers and parking lots and all kinds of uh, infrastructure uh, uh, to build their own personal um, um, empires. And that was what came out of consensus. So a, a very ugly example of where consensus can lead if people don't keep their moral heads screwed on straight. Now, get off the line now and right. let someone else speak. Well, Peter, thanks very much for the call and, and uh, those points and thoughts. Uh, Sonia, you had uh, something uh, in response to, to Peter's uh, comments. Yes, well, again, thank you for bringing that up because you're absolutely correct in pointing to uh, – you, you know, what do you do when you do have a Hitler? These are, are huge questions. Um, again, I'd like to say that we are new at the practices of peace, and we don't yet have a, full, a fully sophisticated quiver of tools of how to deal with everything. Having said that, um, Doug Allen, who is a professor up at uh, UMaine and is an expert on Gandhi, is quick to point out that even Gandhi said that there were times when uh, the use of violence was deemed necessary, but that was only after every other means 
of uh, trying to approach the problem was met. Um, when when I was a, a young girl and I was taking a civics class, I read a book uh, by Barry Goldwater on something to do with American history, and uh, I completely disagreed with his point of view, but I realized when I read that book that the, that point of view made sense to him, and he had a whole lineage of of belief and knowledge behind why he was doing what he was doing, and that in order for me to even begin to talk to him, I had to understand the whys and the wheres of why he thought what he thought, and I couldn't just jump in in the middle and 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 try to negotiate without having some understanding of his background and trying to give him some understanding of my own. Um, as I said, we're still learning these ways of negotiation. Well, let's uh, let's see what some other folks have to say about this matter because we apparently do have a few people waiting. So let's get right to them. You are next on Talk of the Towns. Um, good morning, Lindy in Southwest Harbor. Thanks for calling, Lindy. Part of the um, healing modality of your program is just the <clears throat> impeccable way you both are able to listen uh, it's wonderful, and I, I really appreciate that because I, I think that's... Um, are you getting an echo? I have my radio on. Yes, it's your oh, radio. Yep. Okay, I'll turn it off. <laughs> um, Thank part, you, Yeah, Part of the... Um, go in the kitchen. Part of the problem is that we we do need to listen to each other, and um, that doesn't happen often. I'm, trying, I'm walking to the radio now. doesn't happen very often. And, um, you know, I, I heard uh, Grace say that we're not all naturally born peaceful people and, and um i think a lot of that is due to patriarchy which oh as soon as you mention patriarchy everybody uh accuses you of being a radical feminist nazi but um my my uh, i've stepped way back from the peace movement and because of there is no peace even in the peace movement. Uh, going to a green meeting, you could get your head cut off uh, just from people that you thought you were going to have common ground with. And then um, here on the island, I tried to start an MDI peace and justice movement and uh, with some young people. And, uh, you know, there was ageism there and elitism and all those issues going on. And by the time we, we did get to organize our event, but we're not talking to each other now just because we weren't really able to listen to each other. When I suggested getting into a circle and not in a non-hierarchical process, I got told I don't want to do any of that spiritual shit. Um, <clears throat> so I'm even laughing now because as <clears throat> that one, one woman who called in about the Cracker Barrel was so beautiful and so articulate. And my, I was just getting all fluffy and feathered up listening to it. I'm thinking of some of the people who think that that's spiritual shit. But um, I think, you know, I did make a suggestion to the Greens when we were meeting in these monthly meetings that were so lethal. You know, the uh, argument between Nancy Odin and, and Nancy Allen was atrocious. Women hurting women, how awful. I suggested us having a forum where we all came together and talked about racism, sexism, and homophobia because those, are, in my mind, are really the issues that divide us. And then from there, we could find common ground, maybe talk about how we were raised and, and, and through those experiences, personal experiences, come together in, in a common ground. And, um, but you can't talk about love to a lot of people. <laughs> and um, 
So I'm healing from all that. I'm trying to find. Uh, I love that uh, phrase. Being a um, citizen journalist is is great. And um, you, Matthew, Matt, people should um, mentor with you because you have the most amazing way of bringing people together. And I think that's why the station is such a success. So thank you for letting me talk on this cold day. Well, thank you, Linda. The, Peace in the Middle East. <laughs> thank you. The, the mentoring is, is here, you know, I found here at the station is a thing that we all do with each other quite a lot. So it's, it's, it's uh, those of us who um, participate in this uh, on-air community have, uh, have something very fortunate in the, in the way of lots of mentors and examples, um, one of whom is right in the studio with me right now, Sonia Taransky. Yeah, she's terrific. Okay, thanks for letting me talk. I'll let the other people thanks, go Thanks, Lindy. On. All righty, bye-bye. And let's take our next caller. You're on Talk of the Towns. Could you give us uh, your, your name and, and where you're calling from and then uh, your comment, question, or uh, ideas? Sure. Uh, this is Larry from Monroe. Hi, Larry. Hi. And um, one thing that hasn't been mentioned that I think is pretty crucial and I think was somewhat addressed by Peter was uh, that when you have conflicts, if it's one individual and another or one group and another, that how much power each individual or group has makes a big difference. And if one of the individuals or groups has a lot more power than the other, it's really a lot more difficult to really resolve conflicts. You know, even if there are uh, you know, situations where people will say, yes, I agree with you, if they're doing it because they don't feel they have the power to really uh, advocate for their own beliefs, their own cause adequately, and it's not really an agreement. It sounds like an agreement, but it really isn't. It sounds like the conflict's resolved, but it really hasn't been. So it, uh, that reminds me, touches a little upon what uh, Susan said to one of our first callers about insecurity and fear, sometimes making one, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but more aggressive and not as good at listening because of that fear. But the other side of it can be capitulation because of fear or a power imbalance. Yeah, I'm not sure which one is where the fear is, but uh, yeah, I'm sure that's part of it. Um, and then one other thought uh, is concerning. Uh, I work with some groups around consensus. I work with Resources for Organizing and Social Change, which you mentioned earlier. And uh, my experience is that, first of all, uh, any, any decision-making process can be manipulated, whether it's consensus or anything else. Uh, consensus, when it's with people that are approximate, all feel they have a certain power and ability to influence the, the group that they're working with, uh, it works very well. When there's a lot of differences in power or people don't trust each other, it doesn't work well. Uh, so any process can be, a, certainly consensus can be a good process. Any process can work depending upon the situation, but consensus certainly can work when uh, there is that trust, when there is that approximate equality of people um, and the amount of power that they have. And consensus actually allows people who don't have as much power, who don't speak as effectively, who aren't very articulate, who aren't middle class, to actually still have some power in that group because uh, they have to agree to something before the group can actually uh, decide to do something. So uh, this allows them to think about and, and to use uh, what power they do have, even if it seems to be less than other people, to be able to equalize that power in the group. So to me, consensus can be a very effective approach as long as uh, there is that trust or approximate equality of power, even if some people don't feel they have it. 
Well, Larry, thanks very much for, for adding that to the discussion and uh, um, putting a good punctuation point on our discussion. I think you were the, our last caller, Sonia, and I are going to have a couple of final comments, and, uh, and then we're also going to uh, get to hear a sample of, of uh, Sonia's work, a uh, powerful piece. So, Larry, thanks very much for the call and the information. Sure thing. Sonia, any, any, uh, we're, we're going to play uh, uh, an edition of Powerful Peace to end the program, but any uh, wrap-up comments you would like? Our time has just about come to an end on this edition of Talk of the Towns. Well, one thing that was uh, brought to my attention in this last caller um, that is really important, and that is the ground rules for um, making sure that people feel safe and f- feel like they have a, uh, uh, their power is protected within a group, whether it is in a consensus group or a negotiating group. Um, when you start off with with talking about what those differentials are and where people stand, it goes a long way to creating the trust that enables the negotiation to happen. Well, thank you very much, Sonia, and I want to thank all the folks who've called in on. Talk of the Towns today. A couple, a few information sources to share um, for people who want to do some online research uh, on the issue of uh, consensus building and dialoguing in difficult situations and around polarizing issues. A few things that folks might want to check out the Study Circles Institute. Uh, If you do a search for Study Circles or Study Circles Institute, you'll find that organization. The, um, again, Center for Nonviolent Communications and then also the website that Peggy Smith um, offered us uh, before, uh, Maine nvcnetwork.org for uh, nonviolent communication trainings in Maine. Um, appreciative inquiry is a is a uh, a listening and discussion um, methodology that also may touch upon this appreciative inquiry. Um, there is a, uh, a an old time uh, instructor of for community radio journalists. His name is uh, Dick Noble, and he refers to uh, talk radio should we should be thinking of more of as listening radio. That if you are you are listening to what people are saying as opposed to listening in your own head about what you want to say next, you'll do better radio and 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 also have better discussions all around. Um, uh, radio, uh, Radio Sampool, our sister station, um, does a thing called uh, I can't remember the Spanish word for it, but it's the uh, uh, forum, the popular forums for for community people to discuss issues. Um, and we'll be bringing you some more information on that. And uh, something I found, if you if you go uh, do a communitydialogue.org about uh, this kind of a uh, practice in Northern Ireland, a place of longtime polarized uh, uh, problems. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this edition of Talk of the Towns. Uh, I want to thank Joel Mann, our engineer for this program, and uh, my studio guest, Sonia Taransky. Thank you, Matt. And uh, also want to let folks know that if they have written feedback on this or any other WERU program or how WERU can do a better job at uh, building bridges of understanding in the community, you can uh, uh, contact the station to find out when our program advisory committee meets. You can uh, email us at info at org, or you can write to P.O. Box 170, East Orland, Maine, 04431. Uh, tune in next Friday morning for Renewable Radio with host Dave Evans when his to- topic is Renewing Your Dirt. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. We're going to finish up by listening to Powerful Peace by Sonia Taransky. You're listening to Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 Bangor, and WERU.org on the Internet. Thanks very much for all the calls, and thank you very much for listening. 
Uno, dos, tres, cuatro. Welcome to Powerful Peace, providing you with empowering pieces of information that you can use to create a peaceful and powerful world. Today we will turn to martial arts expert Thomas Crum. In his book called The Magic of Conflict, Crum points out that we need to change the way we look at conflict. He says that what we think of as conflict is no more than two energies coming together. His point is that we have a choice as to what happens when those two energies meet. They can either collide or they can dance. Crum says, conflict is natural, neither positive or negative, it just is. And he says, it's not whether you have conflict in your life, it's what you do with that conflict that makes a difference. Most importantly, Thomas Crum teaches that we don't have to think of conflict in terms of a contest where the goal is to win or lose. Learning, growing, and cooperating are the goals he teaches for resolving conflicts. This is Sonia Taransky wishing you the power to become the world you want to see. See you next week. If you have a favorite piece of empowering information to share... Send an email to Powerful Peace, that's one word, all lowercase, at midmain.com. Sing with me, uh. One word, one word, we only got one word, one word, that's all we got, one word, one word, there's something's wrong with it, yeah.